You're listening to sermons from Church on Bayshore in Niceville, Florida. Our mission is to do whatever it takes to see people believe in Jesus, belong to God's family, and become who God created them to be, impacting the world for Christ. To learn more about our church and to find additional resources, including ways to connect, serve, and give, visit churchonbayshore.org. Awesome is that. Uh, it's such a joy to be able to celebrate with Jason and Hillary today as we uh, see them get baptized uh, in the 11 o'clock service today. And uh, when you pastor in a military town, sometimes uh, you make investments in people and then later down the road, you'll get a video, you know, you'll get a, you'll get a text and it's of them getting baptized or what God's doing in their life. And here uh, we had another church and another military community that made an investment and now we get to see uh, the fruit of that investment in their life. And so we praise God uh, for how he's building his kingdom uh, by per- church- churches that partner together. Hey, if you're visiting with us today, uh, I know a lot of people are PCS again uh, this time of year and people are looking for new churches during the summer. We just want to say to you, we're so grateful that you're here and that we would love to connect with you. Uh, you can text the word connect to the number that you see on the screen and one of our connect team members will follow up with you this week. If you're checking us out online uh, for the first time, we'd love to connect with you and you can text us as well. Uh, hey, let me just uh, welcome our students back from uh, Mission Fuge Camp. I saw some shirts, and uh, you guys have a good week? Are you really tired, I guess, you know? So, hey, praise God. Thank you, volunteers uh, who went, and uh, I won't ask you how you're doing because you may not respond right now, but thank you uh, for going uh, this week. Hey, let me also celebrate something. Um, Over the last two weeks, we've been really emphasizing the need that we have in children's ministry. All right, we talk about it a lot, but the last two weeks especially, we've been talking about it because our children's ministry continues to grow, um, and then we had a lot of families, uh, you know, move who were serving in children's ministry, and... Um, I just want to celebrate with you that in the last couple weeks, we've had 26 people uh, commit to serving in the fall uh, in our children's ministry. I mean, praise God for that. We could still use about 10 more people on a rotational basis just to make sure that, you know, when people are sick, we don't say, well, how sick are you? You know, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, if you're willing, uh, you can reach out to Lucas or you can stop by the boat uh, and uh, they would love uh, to just get you connected into serving in children's ministry. Well, hey, let me pray for us as we uh, dive into the word this morning. God, uh, just great. Thank you for all that you're doing. Um, and God, truly, we need you every hour. So we need you in this hour. And so I just pray that your mercy would cover us, even as we receive your word with unwilling hearts and uh, slow hands to move and slow feet to move, God. Just may your mercy meet us there. Um, God, I need your mercy, so may I decrease and you increase, and may you get glory from our time in the word. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. One of my favorite quotes that I've ever heard is this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We'll come back to that, but I'll remind you that we're in this series called Immeasurably More, where we are looking at a statement declared by Paul in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 and 21. Paul writes, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church 
and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. We've talked about four things from this text, really for three weeks in a row. The first thing is that God's ability to make things happen for us far surpasses our ability to ask for or understand those things. The second is that God works for his glory through us. The third is that God works for his glory through us in the church, which is in Christ. And the last is that every generation has the responsibility to pass down the truth that transcends generations to the next generation. So what we are doing here is looking at what we are doing here in light of these verses. We're talking about our five discipleship essentials, worship, grow, serve, give, and reach. Five things that we think if you are doing them, it will make you or lead to you being a healthy Christian. And then if many of us are doing them, it will lead to us being a healthy church. I talked a few weeks ago about worship, and that was a good place for us to begin because all these things and all that we, sh- we do should flow out of our worship for God. And I wanna say thank you to Alec, our student minister, and Lewis Miller uh, for looking at our growth and our service, considering this wonderful declaration by God in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And I'll wrap it up by looking at reaching next week and giving today. Giving is an incredibly important aspect of this. Giving is an incredibly important aspect of Christian worship. I do wanna remind you that when I think of worship, I mean it in this way. Jesus says in John 4, 23, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and for those who worship him and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Worship is not about being in a physical location or certain practices. It's about being a believer in Jesus Christ who has the Holy Spirit of God indwelling in them. And so there's a connection to our heavenly father because he resides in our heart. And it's about the truth of who he is and the truth that he has for us. When I say the word worship, I mean it the way Paul uses it in Romans chapter 12, verse one, when he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. When we think of worship, we typically think of corporate worship, of coming together and experience, singing. And while that is a part of worship, Christian worship is presenting our bodies on the altar of God, our lives on the altar of God and saying, here, it belongs to you. Now look at what Paul says in verse two of Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I think this is important context when we think of Christian worship and giving in a 21st century Western context. You see, I I would think that the amount of freedom and disposable income that we currently have in comparison with the rest of history is a good thing. I don't wanna lose that. I like that freedom. And what this should lead to is unprecedented work of the church of Jesus Christ. But what I think that most who have investigated Christian generosity 
and how it corresponds with financial increase have found is what the prophet Biggie Small said. The more money you come across, the more problems you see. Some of you didn't grow up listening to 90s rap, so I'll just give you a Hank Williams quote. He said, I know you're alone with your pride, dear, in your loveless mansion on the hill. Many Christians, I think we have a lot more 90s rap in this crowd just based on the response. <laughs> Many Christians are being conformed to the patterns of this world when it comes to money and are fixated still on treasures of this earth more than worship of God. But Jesus commands us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind when it comes to money. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, the words of our Lord and Savior. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is quite simple by the words of Jesus. What is the result of laying up treasures on earth? Moth and rust destroys them. Thieves break in and steal. What about treasures in heaven? Moth and rust cannot destroy them. Thieves cannot break in and steal. I'll clarify what the difference looks like in a moment, but let's first establish why this really matters. I'm talking about this today, not because our church needs money. If you're thinking here today, we're behind, the church must be behind budget, and there must be something the church needs to do, and they can't do it if I and maybe a few others don't start giving. That's not the case. We're well ahead of budget. Because of God's work and generous people, we're in a good position. So I'm not talking about this today because we need you to start giving. I'm not talking about this today because I get a percentage of the money that's given. That's not how Baptists work. We got a committee who approves a budget then gets approved by another committee, then the church has to vote on it. That's how we work. Here's why I'm talking about this. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Money is a very clear indicator of what we worship. How we view money is a very clear indicator of what we worship. People get funny when you talk about money. That sounded kind of funny. I didn't intend for it to be, but they do. Here's why people get funny when you talk about money, but not other stuff. Because if I talk about how you should worship, you can convince yourself pretty easily that you worship, even if you actually don't. If we talk about growing, you can convince yourself, I'm growing, even if you're really not. If we talk about serving, you could convince yourself, I'm a servant, and figure that out in some way, even if you're really not. If we talk about reaching people with the gospel, you could convince yourself, maybe by lowering the standard or something, that you are someone who is on mission, even if you're really not. But your money is very clear. Your budget reveals something very clearly to you. 
how you spend your money is this measurable, tangible, black and white revelation of what you value. And you can't convince yourself or deceive yourself of otherwise because it's right there in front of you. So what I plead with you this morning is that we should want, as people of God, to want to lay up treasures in heaven. And if we then are people who want to lay up treasures in heaven, we should be people who do lay up treasures in heaven. And so what I wanna help us see is how money and the work of God go together. Money and the work of God. Now, I don't want you to feel obligated this morning or guilted into being a generous person this morning. In fact, we'll read in just a moment, that's not what God wants of you. I, I don't think many of you grew up during World War II. Uh, we do have some in our church that did. Uh, but during World War II, there was a great emphasis on war bonds. War bonds is not a concept that's unique to uh, the United States of America. But the, the concept behind you, war bonds is that you lend the, money, go, the government money by buying these bonds. And it funds the mission of the federal government during a time of war. And eventually you get your money back with a percentage yield. So during World War II, you know, in an unprecedented amount of expenditures, the government really focused on this and was successful. But they were pretty um, convincing in why you should give them. And we have some ads that they ran during World War II uh, just to show you. So here's one. Um, doing all you can, brother, and you have this wounded soldier because he's doing all he can. Buy war bonds. So it's like if I'm over here giving my life, are you really doing all you can? Have you bought a war bond? It's convincing. Here's another one. Um, scaring you, before it's too late, uh, before people take over here, buy war bonds and stamps, okay? And then one more, I mean, it worked. People bought a lot of war bonds. And I'm not saying that it was bad that the government did this because it funded what the government was trying to do. Today, I could show you pictures of children um, in bad conditions, I could show you pictures of many faces of people who lack access to the gospel. And I could try to make you feel this emotional response and therefore give. But here's why I want you to give. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what I wanna do is just look at those four points we've been talking about through this lens of money and the work of God. The first one was God's ability to make things happen for us far surpasses our ability to ask for or understand those things. I'll read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 11, or through, through 10. If you have um, a Bible, you can turn there. If not, the verses will be on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, it says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Here, God's word says that God will be with you in the work of his righteousness. This is not a text telling you God will give you everything that is on your dream sheet. But this text is telling you that the rewards in heaven are far greater than the rewards on this earth. And that God will take care of you as you seek to be a person who lays up treasures in heaven. You see, and this is the first point I wanna make this morning, God desires to show the depth of his ability through our generosity. God desires to show the depth of his ability through our generosity. There are stories and stories of stories of people who are being faithful to God and how God cared for them in those moments. We personally have several stories. I just wanna share one this morning. For those of you that know me, you know before this, we planted a church um, and I was 25, I don't recommend that, just so you know, planting a church when you're 25, I was 25. And shortly after we planted the church, uh, we started having children and, and so Christy uh, made the decision to stay home uh, with uh, our kids. I think she was working part-time when we had the first one, then we had four and four years and four months. So, uh, you know, daycare would have been very expensive. And so she was staying home. I was actually working at a coffee shop. We did not have a lot of margin in our life. A few years into this church uh, plant, we decided we wanna begin a fund for our future facility, for uh, a building that the church might have one day. And so we, we thought we should present a goal of let's start with $50,000. Uh, the church raised $50,000 and challenged them to do this. And so as I realized I'm gonna be challenging the church to do this, I really felt like I need to be a leader in this and I need to give to this. And so, you know, we were already giving well above, you know, what would be considered a tithe. We didn't really have the opportunity to do that, but I really felt like I needed to give. But we didn't have the money to give. And so I finally went to Christy. I was like, I think we need to give $500. She's like, okay, whatever. Okay, and so uh, it was real spiritual there. And so she, uh, we did. I'm not making this up. On Sunday, I gave that $500. On Tuesday, I opened the mail. And there was a letter from a friend of mine I went to high school with, who he and his wife, they were living in Orlando, his name's Jeremy Gates, this isn't made up. They were both you know, doing really well and uh, God had blessed them and they just felt led for whatever reason, he didn't even talk that much, he never wrote me a letter before, to send us $500 in the mail as a blessing. <laughs> you, God, I was right, I didn't have $500 to give. <laughs> But God was calling me to give it, and God then gave it. Dan Hinkle, who's a longtime member of this church, has told me the story several times as we talked about giving, um, that he and his wife, when he was a, a lieutenant, uh, felt convicted individually. We need to start tithing. They began to tithe. They did the numbers. There was a shortfall in their budget for the month, but they said, no, we need to do this. And then that week, they received a check 
from a refund for their insurance company for the exact amount of that shortfall. Let me just ask this question. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want, but I'd appreciate you to do. Who in here has some kind of story like this of God just meeting them in their need when they were trusting in him? I mean, you see hands all over this room. You see, this is what God does for us. God desires to show the depth of his ability through your generosity, and he is inviting you to experience this. The second point from this text that we've been looking through is that God works for his glory through us. I'm gonna keep reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. It says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. You see, here we have to choose. Are we going to believe the word of God or not? It tells us that we will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which will produce thanksgiving to God. See, the second point I wanna make this morning is God gets glory through our visible trust in his ability. God gets glory through our visible trust in his ability. This past week, I was on the phone talking about our upcoming trip to India with some pastors that we support there. And it's amazing the work of God that is happening in this network of pastors. And the reality is, in a practical way, if we weren't involved, none of this would be happening. And here's all these people who've never met many of you who, because of your generosity, you're, they're baptizing way more people than we're baptizing. The church is growing rapidly and it's being funded through the generosity of this church. I can't tell you the numbers of times as I've had conversations with Sean Walker who planted Anchor Church in Freeport that we majorly invested in helping. The number of times that he just felt this great security about what they were doing because of the incredible investment that we had made in their church. And God does this kind of stuff. You know, I, I told you we're way ahead of budget, but one area that we've struggled in this year is uh, our benevolence ministry. That's the ministry that meets financial needs in this community uh, that arise. And because of inflation, I think, um, bills are getting higher, and then people who are in the lower, you know, income demographic are, are having a hard time, uh, you know, living, not, you know, even living from paycheck to paycheck. And so they were well exceeding their budget and we actually had a team that met, our stewardship team, our administrator, uh, representative from missions, Mary, who leads the benevolent ministry. They met, they're trying to plan, like, what are we gonna do with this shortfall that we're having already? And somebody, I don't know who they are, in this church gave to cover that shortfall. Do you realize the thanksgiving to God that that person's generosity is resulting in, not only from the volunteers who serve, but the families? that we're meeting. See, this is what God wants to do. And I think that it's very clear that God is answering our prayer as a church, which has been God do a work that only you can get the glory for. And I think, I think it's very clear that he's doing that here in this group of believers. 
And not just this present group of believers, but it's a result of a history of a group of believers. So God works for his glory through us. But also, God works for his glory through us in the church, which is in Christ. We talked about that. Now, I realize that probably my age and younger, there are a lot of people who they feel like they should give to God, but not through the church. And so they want to give directly to missions organizations or or missionaries or other nonprofit organizations because when they give, they feel, they see a more direct impact in their giving. And, and, And I think we should be giving above and beyond to do that, but they do this instead of giving to the church. And sometimes it's because of overhead, and I would just suggest to you that every institution has overhead. And some of these organizations have a way higher percentage of administrative and personnel than churches have. And then you might say, well, but there's all these personnel. That's what we're doing. Ultimately, is we're funding people to go to places and do what God has called them to do where we are not. That's really what we're ultimately funding. But let me just help you understand this. God's design in the Bible is that this happens through the local church. If you don't understand the communal aspect of the Bible, I'm not gonna convince you in the few minutes I have here this morning. But I just wanna read one text to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse one and two. When Paul's addressing the believers who are giving to fund uh, other churches that are poorer, here's what he says. Now concerning the collection for the saints as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, Each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. This is just one example of what we see taking place in the early New Testament. And I'm actually reading some some books uh, right now on literature that we have from the early days. The communal aspect of the faith is strong in the New Testament. And so what was happening is they were giving on the first day of the week, Sunday, to God through the church. God connects individual believers to his kingdom work through the local church. God connects individual believers to his kingdom work through the local church. If you remember a couple weeks ago, I showed you this diagram that really kind of captures what Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 is saying. The big circle is Christ, right, his kingdom. So we're in Christ. And the smaller circle is me, you guys can put that on the screen, is, is us as individual believers. And we're to be found in the church, which is in Christ. Doesn't mean we should be found in the church and not in Christ, but it also means that if we're in Christ, we are to be in the church, which is in Christ. This is how God has designed it. And so our giving is no exception to that. It's giving to God through the church for the work of Christ. Now, I'll say this. The people who are entrusted to manage money given by the saints, should be transparent and should be held accountable. And so, and they're not upfront about this kind of stuff and they want to answer questions about this kind of stuff. Either they need to change their policies or you need, to, you need to change churches. You can ask questions here. If you want to sit down with me and ask me about anything that we do as a church, you are welcome to ask me. But I'll just let you know something. I actually don't make any decisions about money here. So you'd be better off to sit down with our administrator, Steve Renna, who kind of is aware of all the budget areas, or to meet with our stewardship team 
and talk to them as they're entrusted to oversee that. These are volunteers who serve in this capacity, who are elected by our congregation. In fact, they have informational meetings coming up today at 1230 and Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. Go and share your ideas. Ask questions that you might have. But God wants you connected to what he's doing here. You see, what God does is he takes us as individuals who give and he puts it all together and he does great things through, th through us. Vance Habner said, snowflakes are frail, but if enough of them get together, they could stop traffic. What we're doing individually is, is beautiful, right? It's, it's pretty. We have a picture here of one snowflake, right? It's beautiful. But when they all come together, they're powerful. It stops traffic. When God pulls us together as the people of God, he uses it in powerful ways. I mean, again, think about our benevolence ministry and the number of needs that we're able to meet. I mean, six-figure numbers. And then you think about other churches who are doing that and just the significance that's happening in this community. When you think about we're funding church plants and helping funding church plants and revitalizations because of all of our collective giving. And then you think of the ministries that are taking place in the church because of each of us. And I'll just be on a real level Praise God that there's air conditioning in these buildings. And not one of us could probably pay for that on our own. But this is what God is doing through his people together. The last thing that we've talked about is this. Every generation has the responsibility to pass down the truth that transcends generations to the next generation. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 21, it says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. As a believer, we wanna see what God is doing in us and in our generation keep going until God decides or has decided that all things will be made new. And money is a part of that. As a church, we're really talking about what is the vision for, that we have for the future? We have a growing student ministry. We probably should have a better student facility. That would then give us room to expand our children's ministry. We'd like to have our gym made into an outreach area so that we could have more people come on our campus and be sharing the gospel with more people. We have other things that we're thinking about there. We wanna continue to make sure that we have the right personnel to, to make disciples and to carry on the mission of this church and we know that we wanna increase in what we're doing there while at the same time, we wanna continue in this trajectory that we have as a church of giving more away to missions than we ever have, of planting churches, strengthening churches, of sending missionaries who love the local church, supporting missionaries, being a part of the cooperative program of Southern Baptist in a significant way because of the work that is happening there. We wanna do this. Some of you are newer to this church. About half of you have been here less than the six years that I've been here. What you may not realize is the day that I walked onto this campus as the pastor of this church, this campus had just finished its renovation that day. A huge, significant, often prayed about, often planned about, a lot of money given to build a children's building, renovate this campus so that we would reach young families. And our church has doubled and we have a lot of young families. And some of those people who gave to that have gotten to see that. And some only see it 
and I don't know that they will, take their eyes off of Jesus and look down here. Y'all, I wanna keep that going. (laughs) I feel this great responsibility because of what has come before me here and because of what God has given me to say, let's keep that going. Let's make sure that there is a gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church in Niceville that is growing in its strength, and let's strengthen other churches and other communities around this area to ensure that no matter what happens in this world, we will stand here on the word of God, and we will proclaim the gospel to those who are without hope. That's what we need to be committed to. And that's what you're invited to here or in some way, somewhere else. That's what you're invited to. And so let me just share this with you. Maybe you're here today. And as I talk about this, you're not there because of the hardness of your heart. You don't want to give up control. My application for you today is not start giving. My application for you today is respond to what has been presented to you this morning and that the reason you're not open to this is because Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, that he is not your greatest treasure. And what I want you to see more than anything else is that you might feel pretty capable about your life, but when it comes to sin and righteousness, There is nothing you can do on your own to be worthy of the presence of a holy God. And God has come to this earth and Jesus died on on the cross in your place to give you his mercy, to give you his salvation. And he rose from the grave And the power that rose from the grave is the power that can be at work within you. And God has invited you into that. And your response today just needs to be the realization that you are a sinner in need of a loving Savior. And to trust him. Now, I I do believe that there are some Christians who, um, you love Jesus, and this is an area of your life that you haven't been willing to give up. And I I just, this, this is what it's like. It's like you're sitting here, this is financial security. This is what you want with money. And so you're like, yeah, I wanna be in this seat. I wanna sit here. I'm not letting go of this. And then God is over there. I should have put something over there to illustrate. God is over there and he's inviting you to this life of freedom. He's inviting you to this life of being used for his glory and good works and all kinds of things. And you're like, I I wanna go but I'm not let go. I'm not letting go of this. Or, may, or maybe like your other friends start pursuing Jesus together. You're like, okay, all right, I'm going. Nope, I want to touch it. I want to, oh, I'm about fell there, y'all. I want to touch it. I want to taste it. I want to see it. And it, it, it kind of looks silly that that's what your faith is like. And I just invite you, believe God's word and experience him who is able to do more than all we could ask or imagine according to the power that is work within us. To him be the glory throughout all generations forever and ever. 
Amen. You see, when people gave their money to the government with these war bonds, they believed in the cause and there was nothing to lose because there was a yield. I mean, it was only 2.9%, but there was a yield, there was a return. And so in the same way that they were being used for this great mission, they were receiving back. The riches of our God in heaven far exceeds any yield that any worldly government can give you. This is an invitation to experience the rewards of God, the blessings of God in heaven in your life. It was missionary Jim Elliott who would lose his life carrying the gospel to an unreached tribe in Ecuador who said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. May the fact that there are those who have given their life for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ be a reminder to us that we are no fool for giving anything up in light of God's inexpressible gift to us in Christ. Pray with me. God, I do pray this morning that you melt the heart of stone and you help everyone in this room to see our need for your salvation and to respond to that by trusting in you. And God, I pray for those of us in Christ who are not experiencing the freedom that comes from giving this area of our life to you. God, break the chains. Show them as they trust you that you are good. And God, work in and through this church for your kingdom in a way that doesn't bring any one person or any one generation glory, but brings you glory because you deserve it all. In Jesus' name, amen.